Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all already know what time it is. Turn down with your fan view live, real fans talk sports on New Orleans Talk Network. Thank y'all for subscribing to this fan view live page. I'm that boy Fred. G Sports in the building. There he is. Look at him. He got more. He ain't got more on the sleeve now. Look at him. He 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 growing up, y'all. <laughs> he get he he do he doing big things over here now. Ben. <laughs> ben. <laughs> well, listen, thanks for everybody for tuning in to Fan View Live. Um subscribe to this page if you're on Facebook. Uh subscribe to this page if you're on YouTube to hit the notification button. It'll just let you know each and every time that we're live each and every Thursday for 12 o'clock. Subscribe to this page of you on Instagram, it's FanView Live. Subscribe to this page of you on Twitter. If it's FanView Nola, don't forget to subscribe to G Sports. If you're trying to figure out what's going on in the state of Louisiana when it comes to high school and, and collegiate sports, I, I can't I can't give you no more information. The plug is on the show each and every Thursday. You just gotta tune in. You gotta subscribe, baby. I, I can't help you. All you gotta do. That's all you got to do. One click. One click. The information is there. Just like that. But we know we, do. we, know we got much to discuss G Sports. We in football season. We had that first week of preseason. That time of the year. It's that time of the year, baby. Like we did last week, we're going to start this show off with that who that talk. Preseason number one. Saints versus Ravens. Gee, let's recap this game. What were some of your observations you want to take away from this game? This game. You know, when you come into the first preseason game, you're expecting a lot of errors, a lot of uh, mental mistakes, and that's what you've seen, uh, especially with the six turnovers. Yes, uh, yes. I thought Taysom Hill started the, the first drive of the game off really, really well, connecting with Marquez Callaway on, some, on two really good passes. Unfortunately, Latavius Murray had the fumble. the drive with the fumble. Uh, I really think the Saints is about to go in and score. That was going to be a great drive for Taysom Hill. Um, you know, trying to start his 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 campaign to to be the starting quarterback. Um, I thought that that took a little, little sense of urgency from the offense. Um, after that, on the next drive, Taysom Hill threw a really really bad interception. Ty Montgomery coming on a shallow route. I mean. He threw this ball right to the defender. I mean, it almost looked like he was point shaving. That's how bad of a ball it was <laughs> by Taysom Hill. Um, I think that you know he has to, he showed some he showed some signs of of being able to get out the pocket and extend plays with his legs and, and make some good throws. But uh, he had some plays where he just was very inaccurate. Um, and, and so the thing, yeah. of, but the flip side of that is. Jameis didn't do enough to separate himself. Correct. Um, the interception of the, the little Jordan Humphrey, uh, I thought he could have put the ball well, out man. a little more. Um, he kind of underthrew him and gave the defender the chance to put his hands on, 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 the, on, ball. on the ball, and it popped up in the air for an interception. Um, one thing I noticed already out the gate about both quarterbacks that we're gonna that we're gonna ver that we're gonna miss dearly when it comes to not having Drew Brees anymore. They hold the ball entirely too, too long. <laughs> All right. You know, in, this is the NFL. You can't expect to have a full five-second clock in your head. You got to get that ball out within two to three seconds. Right. More often than not. And I can tell already that Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill are going to be those quarterbacks that are going to try to hold the ball because they're looking for that deep shot down the field. Um, I think Jameis Winston has to get into that rhythm of just taking what the defense gives you. If you got a dink and dunk and then take your shot, that's what you got to do, Jameis. But you can't revert back to your old ways when you was in Tampa because if you do that, 
you're going to be around 20 to 25 interceptions. And you can't do that, especially with having Michael Thomas out for the probably the first four or five weeks. I think it starts on the pup list, so you're probably talking about to the first week. Right. Uh, I did love what I seen from Marquez Callaway. We them to, to the preseason. We thought Marquez Callaway had a chance to be uh, a, a starting receiver Zebra. on his team and be that number two guy opposite of Michael Thomas. He showed that he can be that. He, he was swagging out there with the number one. Um, so I'm rooting for Marquez Callaway. What's your, what's your position? Now I'm going to interrupt. What's your position about receivers now winning these single-digit numbers? I love it. I love it. I love the swag. I love the swag. Oh I love. God. I love seeing a Patrick Queen wearing that six at Mike linebacker. Oh my goodness! All right, I loved it. I love everything about it. So, uh, oh, you know, Marquez Callaway looking used really to good. When when at one, um, I was very pleased what I saw from Bryce Thompson, uh, the the undrafted free agent from Tennessee. I think he has a really good chance to make this team. He had a really good interception right before the half. Showed good range coming over the top. I was very impressed with Eric Burrell. Um, he was like headhunter head all day. All, all right? night. And he had that big time fumble. Yeah. Force fumble, <laughs> fumble on the quarterback. Yeah. You know, Huntley was running around all day long and he came on and laid that head on him a couple times. Bang. Uh, I think I think uh Eric Burrell has a great chance to make this team, especially on special teams. Team. When you got a kid like that that throws his body around, I think he has a I think he can, uh, he's from Wisconsin. He came out of Wisconsin. Uh I think he has a great chance to to, yeah, to, I agree. to win to win. Uh, to put himself in a situation to, to be on that final 53. Jawan Johnson, I'm glad they moved him from receiver to tight end. To tight end. He is getting entirely too big. This guy likes to eat a lot. You All see right? it, man. Too much gumbo but, down here. But, but he he's spending too much time at Neo's, G-Sports. Yeah, yeah, or Morals. <laughs> Morals. <laughs> but he shows signs that he could be a really good tight end for us. Um, I, w- I wanted to see Adam Trotman. Uh, did a lot of blocking. Did a lot of blocking. Uh, that was disappointing to me. You know, I don't know if he has a lingering injury that, that Sean Payton not disclosing, but I wanted to see Adam Trotman and see if he can be a guy that we can rely on this year. But Jawan Johnson really, really yes. uh, impressed me. I, I liked him. Um, I thought Devontae Freeman showed a little rust. He, I saw a little burst from him um, that, that you seen from him when he was in Atlanta, mm-hmm. but he, he, he definitely had some rust on him. And that's what you typically see from the running backs in week one because you're thudding. Right. Through our training camp, and now you're coming into real game competition, and now you got people really tackling you. Correct. You know, you, you seen it with Latavius Murray, who rarely fumbles. Rarely fumbles. Um, the kid Jones. Uh, Tony Jones. Jr. He had a really, really good game. It's my little nephew. He had a really, really I'm, good game running the ball, uh, showing speed, being able to show patience, good jump cutting the hole. Um, he had a, he had a bad fumble too. Yeah. To, to stop a really good drive, but all in all, I think the Saints had some positives. Um, I think it, I think in the second preseason game, you're gonna see. Uh, slack down on the turnover. You're gonna see uh, uh, less mental errors and, and, and less uh, blown coverages and and things like that. And I'm gonna tell you like this too: Malcolm Roach, Dan, uh, Anya, Anya Mata, mm-hmm. and Zach Bond was definitely the three that stood out. Stood out on the defense. I would say Zach Bond really, really Zach, stood out. Zach Bond was all over the field. all the field. Malcolm Roach was his motor was relentless. I think he's going to be able to take that spot uh, from Anyamata until he comes back at this suspension. So, all in all, I was pleased. I don't get caught up with wins and losses in the preseason. I don't know why Saints fans do, but we showed some we showed some promise from from some some key positions. But the ultimately, it's going to come down to can Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston, whoever wins the job, be uh, at least an above average quarterback for us going forward. Now, here's the question I got for you. Um, obviously, the next game is on Monday versus Jacksonville. Do you start Taysom Hill? Do you start James Winston? I think you give James, James Winston the start. You gave you let Taysom start the first game. You mm-hmm. let James start the second game. And and I would like to see James start a whole half. 
okay, I want to see him start the whole half. I want to see him play first and second quarter. You let Taysom play third and fourth. Ian Book, look. Chill out. You know. Chill out. You know, we like you. We, <laughs> we picked you in the fourth round. But look, we got to figure out who, who we go. separate yourself. Right. All right. And we we got to figure out who the starter going to be. And you can't do that with letting somebody play a quarter, a quarter and a half. I need so I need Taysom and Jameis both to get both a half a piece so we can really dissect this the correct way so we can know who's going to be our quarterback. Now, I'm going to just be honest with you. Even though their numbers were similar, there's no way in the world Taysom Hill should be our starting quarterback going into week one. Number and, and one of my major reasons was, and I've been telling people this from the from the beginning, mm-hmm. with Michael Thomas being out, that's one less weapon, a major weapon that we don't have on our offense. Correct. So we need Taysom Hill out there being that Swiss Army knife, right. playing running back, playing tight end, playing in a slot to be able to give us another another dimension, another X factor on offense for yeah. us to be able to get the ball to and make plays. And if he's at quarterback, that takes another wait, weapon wait, away wait. from us. So Agreed. That reason alone, I think Jameis Winston has to be the starter going into week one unless he just shit the bed going forward these next two preseason games. I, I would say this, and I've been a big advocate of why Jameis should be starting. I think he he's your former first overall pick, you know, five seasons ago. He's your former Heisman Trophy winner. He's a former national champion. Uh, all the physical tools are there for him to be a starting quarterback in his league. Obviously, the decision makings are just the, the question marks about Jameis Winston. Here's the thing. I'm just not seeing a passer in Taysom Hill. At this particular level in the NFL, you can't afford not to be a passer and to be a starting quarterback in this league. Can he throw the football? Yes, but we're talking about being a passer, and that's not what Taysom Hill is at quarterback. And people, let me clear this up for a lot of fans out there who don't understand what a passer is. A passer is a guy who could look at the defense when he says, huh, look this direction, turn, make the defense turn over this way and make a throw over here to a receiver, and that guy can make the play, and the defender over here can't get back in time. That's what passers do. That's not really what he is. If you watch even a play that he made down the sidelines to Callaway, Callaway had to come back and kind of catch that football. If he was a real passer, Callaway could have caught that ball in stride, and that DB may not have had a chance to recover. He may have could have scored, but in, in essence, he had to come back, make a jump ball, catching the ball, and that's what I'm talking about. He's not a passer. He can throw the football. He can expect the receiver to kind of bail him out. But when you were asking him to make passing plays, you saw the intercession that he had with Ty Montgomery. And at some point in time, you got to accept that what he's not going to become. That's just not who he is as a football player. He can throw the football. He can do some formational plays at quarterback. But if you're asking him to have 70-plus snaps a game at this position for 17 weeks, you're asking for too much because at this level, in order for you to be an efficient starting quarterback, unless you're Lamar Jackson, and I'm using him as an example because he has other physical abilities. I'm using maybe Cam Newton at one point in time because he has other physical abilities. These guys won MVP by not being passers. But everybody else got to kind of be a passer. That's really not what Taysom Hill is. He is that swift army knife. He is that guy you can line up at tight end. You can line him up at receiver. You can line him up at the H-back position and put him in different formations, and he becomes a matchup nightmare for linebackers and secondary players because of what his abilities are. At quarterback, it's just not him. He hold, He's going to hold the ball on too long. He kind of have to wait till a guy get open to make the pass. That's not really what passers do. Passers throw in windows. We watched Drew Brees do this for 15 seasons. We watched Peyton Manning do that, throw into windows. We watched Peyton Tom Brady does these things. That's just not really what he is. And so 
it takes away from this team if if he is not going to get the job. Let's say he doesn't win the job, and he spent all this time campaigning to be a starting quarterback. I just think there's going to be a trouble for this team going into the season because now you're asking him to go back to doing that job. And it, I think he can do it, but I think he's not going to be efficient enough. Why, why not? He's been doing it the last three seasons. Yeah, but he's been campaigning. Asking strictly for quarterback. I mean, listen, now he got to go listen, add the weight listen, back and everything else. Listen, he's a professional, all right? He knows it's a chance he's not going to win his job, and if he doesn't win the job, he goes back to his regular role. That's playing tight end. That's playing slide. That's playing special teams. That's what he's going to have to do to be able to make an impact on his team. And occasionally, I, I don't have a problem with Sean Payton putting him at quarterback. Him at quarterback and doing little wildcat plays and little pick-and-pock plays with him to, to, to keep the defense honest. So – and I think that gives us a be- the best chance to be able to be competitive yeah, on yeah. Sundays. But let's just be honest, man. Let's be keeping the band. We in trouble. We in trouble. <laughs> we in trouble. Thank you. We are in trouble. trouble. This, this is going to be by far Sean Payton's hardest coaching, coaching task since he's been as a, yes. been a Saints head coach. Yes. Period. You know, we, we just had a yes. lot going against us. Michael Thomas is probably out for the first six weeks. We just found out Will Lutz is going to be hurt for the, for the first game or two. We don't right. know how long he's going to be out. I'm just waiting for you, for the uh, commissioner to come out and tell us Lattimore. Marshawn Lattimore is going to be suspended for. Anya Mata's out for the first six games, okay? We just got a lot going on. The only positive that we have going into this season that makes me feel a little optimistic is we have a top five offensive line in football. Yes. Top five offensive line in football. And when you got a really good offensive line, especially with that bad man, Alvin Kamara, in the backfield, it gives you opportunities. opportunities to be able to get make big plays and and, and 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 give your quarterback a chance to be able to scan the field. But defensively in the secondary, we just got a lot going on that corner. I mean, we just we just cut Prince Akamekamura. Mm-hmm. Uh we gonna have to really P. Robert Tide. It, looking the P. Robert Tide is really looking like Ken Crawley bad.com. will be the starting corner this year. Paulson Debo, I love what I seen from him on, on on the first preseason game. He was all over the place. His 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 ability to be able to uh, break down and, and drive on the ball was very special. What right. I saw in that game against the Ravens, I think once he understands route concepts and, and gets more reps, Paulson yeah. Debo is going to end up being a starter. But what Marshawn Lattimore suspension coming down, whenever it does come down, Ken Crawl is going to have to take that spot. And you got to understand in this league. Coaches are gonna find mismatches. They're gonna find where they win at most. They're gonna find him. Ken Crawley, you're gonna attack him. You're right. gonna attack him. So uh, you know, we got we got we got our work cut off for us at the linebacker position. I'm hoping Quan Alexander could come back to form, you know, coming from that Achilles. Right. We'll see. I do like what I seen from Zach Bond. I'm waiting to see what Pete Werner's gonna look like. The second round pick at Ohio State. He hasn't played yet. Um is Mar- is is uh Davenport gonna Going to finally take that next step, right? We didn't get to see our first round pick, Peyton Turner, right? Okay, so it's just a lot of it's a lot of things uncertain. Uh, like I say, Sean Payton got his work cut off on. I I definitely agree with you, G Sports. It's just, and to me, especially you, you you having all of that what you just mentioned, and we still don't have a starting quarterback announced going into the season. You got all that what you just mentioned, all that in that gumbo, and to top it all off. You go into the season not knowing who your starting quarterback is going to be. It's just difficult to have all that's going on. And hey, listen, you got Saints fans out there, man. Listen, we're going to be twelve and five. I'm like, what are y'all watching? Yeah, there's just too much going on here. Yeah. It's too much to have that kind of expectation. This is the first season not having Drew Brees there. This is going to be a. This is probably arguably one of the 
toughest. Even even that Drew Brees was there, there's still a lot going on. You know, now granted, by having Drew Brees, if he was still playing, they still have an identity of who you are. The identity is retired. You got all this stuff going on. And God forbid, due to the, the workload of this office is going to have on Alvin Kamara, God forbid, not wishing anything bad on him, but obviously you got to figure that he's going to be the target of every defense going into the games. You got to figure that the defense is going to target him. Not, and again, I'm not wishing any injuries on anybody, but you're thinking about the workload of what that's going to mean to him and his body until guys like Michael Thomas come back healthy to, the, to help him assist with some of that workload. But until then, it's going to be tough, you know, going into the season and, and asking for a lot from this team. It just, it's just so much. Um, and again, not having a, not unsure of who to start in quarterback. But again, I, I agree with you. Go ahead and take this second game and give Jameis Winston all the reps for the first half. That means he gets the, the first quarter, the second quarter, the two-minute drill, and you get to see everything. And in the second half, give Taysom Hill all those reps, all those opportunities so you can have enough to say, you know what, after this showing here, if neither two one of these guys really establish themselves as my starting quarterback, then I got to go with my gut feeling you know, take this third preseason game and announce a starter, give Ian Book some reps, you know, see what he can do, see if he can still make this roster, make this team, and go from there. But I think you got to decide with this game with Jacksonville with all the reps that need to be available, decide who to start. I don't think this team should not wait to week one to announce a starting quarterback. That's just my position. They should announce a quarterback. It's, it's, it's such a tight race. It's going to be hard for Sean Payton just to come out and say this is the starter. Now, I will say this. I think Jameis Winston kind of separated himself a little bit from this regard. What he showed in the two-minute drill before the half was very, very, very impressive. Good. Right. All right. Leading the team down the field in that two-minute drill and being able to come away with a touchdown, uh, throwing that pass to Lil' Jordan Humphrey. Yeah. I thought that was really impressive and, and gave Jameis some confidence, and it, it was something to be excited about. But uh, other than that, he wasn't really impressive. Like I said earlier in the segment, he just held on to the ball way too long, taking sacks, you know, eyeing receivers down, trying to look for the big play. You know, he's going to have to really, really hone in on that if he wants to win his job. Now, staying on the who that talk, let's talk about the roster as his health. Uh, who's on the bubble? Who made, who impressed you enough to say, you know what, man, this guy got a chance to make this team? And who are you looking at and say, you know what, this guy needs to get it together? You know, who's facing the roster bubble on the team and who you think improved their chances after the first preseason game? Like I said earlier, um, the kid Bryce Thompson from Tennessee, the undrafted free agent, I, I love the way he looked. Um, yeah. His athleticism over the top. Um, I think that is somebody that can give us some depth at that safety position and, and be a good special teams player. So I think he is a person that definitely can make this roster. And like I, like I alluded to earlier in the segment too, Eric Morrell, he right. stood out tremendously to yeah. be against the Ravens. Number 32, if you didn't watch the game, yeah. go back and look at the highlights or whatever you need to do, go back to, go back and watch the playback. Eric Burrell was flying around. He was a sure tackler. I'm talking about this, this dude coming down at, and filling that alley with a vengeance. Yes. Uh, and I think he would be a great special teams player. Um, and, I, I, again, Jawan Johnson. Jawan Johnson. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Jawan Johnson might end up being a star tight end. It's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see. Um, some people that I think that 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 is definitely um on the cusp of, of not making his team. Carl Grandison, 
Uh, I think he's been with the Saints the last two years. He he plays DN. They moved to D tackle a little bit. Um, I, I thought I thought he looked very sluggish um, in that first preseason game against the Ravens. You know, he still got a couple games to, to show what he can do. But I thought Grandison just being in that system the last few years, he, he you're looking for more impact. I, I I thought this was his opportunity to show the Saints, look, I deserve to be in this rotation more. You know, put me in. Um, and, and especially with somebody like Anyamada who's gonna be suspended these first six games. But Malcolm Rose looking like he is ready to take that starting role. Yeah. And, and until uh until Anyamada comes back. Uh uh Lil Jordan Humphrey, you know, he showed some good signs, but then he showed some bad signs. Uh I think he has a problem with um letting the ball tear his chest up. All right. <laughs> Lil Jordan Humphrey has to do a better job of, of catching the ball away from his body and and, and high pointing the ball a little better. Now he right. shows he shows spurts where he can where he can do that. Plays, yeah. But then he's not being consistent, and it's and it's been going on all throughout training camp with me keeping up with the updates. So I think Lil Jordan Humphrey has ability, has the size that you want an NFL receiver. But him being in this system the last two years, and that could be the reason why they signed Kevin White. I think that could be a reason why Kevin White ends up making his roster over Lil Jordan Humphrey. Um, and so that's the two guys that stick out to me that that might not make this team that's been in the Saints organization the last two years. Lil Jordan Humphrey at receiver, and Carl Grandison at the end. I, I I do think our guys who are in the roster bubble, Um, I think we still have Jonathan Washington. He didn't get a chance to play the running back. I think Tony Jones Jr. has making the case to you know, try to make this team. If he can get more opportunities and more reps, I think Washington needs to get back because obviously you over the past couple of seasons behind Latavius and behind Alvin Kamara, you've been a special teams kind of back. And if you're a special teams kind of back, you can't afford to miss games and miss reps. He just can't do it. Tony Jones is a guy who I'm looking at saying, listen, he's making a case to, you know, make this team on special teams. Kind of has that Chris Ivory kind of like running style. Run hard, run thug it. Uh, Got to learn how to hold on to the football, though. Sean Payton does not tolerate guys who fumble. If anything, he despises more than anything. That dude despises a fumbler. Don't believe me? Go ask the Mike Bells of the world and everybody else who came behind him. Like I said, I think he gets a pass because of the first preseason first game. game and, and if you watch training camp, these guys are thudding ninety percent of the time. So, right, you know, it's a it's a bit of a difference when you get into a real game, real game. action and you got people really hitting you and taking you to the ground. Um, and you can see how the ball was popping about their hands. Right. And uh, especially with a veteran like Latavius Murray, how he fumbled on that first drive. Latavius, I think, would be fine. But if, but, but if you're a guy who's never made a roster yet, right. then you can't really have that on your resume. Right. You, you, you're the, Latavius Murray has established the fact that he's going to be the backup running back and he will be the start running back if Alvin Kamara is not unable to go. The other guy's got to make a case. Um, Deontay Freeman, he also had a fumble. I don't think that he can afford as a veteran back uh, who's been on a, a couple of different rosters now. I think he's on the bubble. I think when you got young guys are playing who are performing, he looked at a little sluggish. He, 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 yeah, Tony Jones is he definitely outplayed. I played him. Devontae Freeman. Um now nah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit there and say Devontae Freeman looked bad. No, he just got outplayed. Yeah. Tony Jones just took advantage of his opportunity <laughs> and made the most of it. I mean, he looked it really good. I, I would be very pleased um with him being our third back. If that's what Sean Payton decided right. to do, now he still got he can't come he can't come into the second preseason game and shit a brick now. Right, so <laughs> we're gonna see how they how it all pan out. Right now, also a guy who I think is on the bubble and I think he needs to make a case for himself and I think maybe in the second half is Kawan Baker, the guy, the guy we drafted um, in the seventh round. I think that you know he didn't really show enough. I think come you know and again I don't know if that had a lot to do with the reps being there with, out there with Ian Book, yeah. but I think that he, he got had a, he had a, he had a key reception. 
on that drive when Ian Book was trying to get us down at a to win the game. Right. Uh, I, th- I think it was like a 13, 14-yard pass he threw to Kawhi right. Baker that extended the, the drive on, on a first down. Uh, but Kawhi Baker, you know, he just didn't get the targets he on, get the in targets. the first game. So I, I think it going forward, the next two preseason games, you're going to see him get way more targets. targets. I think he needs to get he needs to get more. And, again, that, and then that's the reason why they signed Kevin White. Again, Kevin White, to me, I'm not looking at his accolades from what he did coming in out of, out of West Virginia being a first – Oh, you know, first round pick. Mm-hmm. I'm not really looking at that pedigree. I'm just looking at, hey, listen, he's coming in. He's signed to come compete and see if he can get some reps and see if he can come in and make a difference. Anyone that's even seen how he, how he can find a roster spot because there's some open opportunity. Lee Jordan Humphreys, you know, you get one good play, you get one bad play. You know, Kawan Baker hasn't really established himself as, you know, any sort of a threat in his team. So you're bringing a veteran receiver just to see how competitive some guys can be. Um, Again, that those are the main two guys I'm looking at. Listen, they're just, they're on the roster cuffs. They're on the bubble. Um, I already know Quan Alexander. You know, he bringing sign. He, he getting signed. I don't really need to see what he can do. You already know what he can do. I'm just hoping he's healthy. I, that, that's the only question. That is the only question I will have. Um, when it comes down to corner, you know, you got a Debo. I think he's gonna make this team. Obviously, they got some young studs coming back there in that secondary. So it's interesting. I'm looking at the offensive side of the ball. I'm looking at, okay, listen, Freeman, you got to step it up. Um, Quan Baker, you got to step it up. You know, Lee Jordan Humphreys, you got to step it up because I can also see the Saints looking at if they don't think Kevin White can make it out, they can go ahead and try to sign another veteran receiver if they don't think that can work out. I mean, they just don't have nothing out there. I mean, you know, they worked out three receivers the other day with Malachi Dupree, Kevin White, I forget who the third one, was it, it just lets you know the concern and how concern. desperate Sean Payton is right now to be able to find a productive receiver to be on his roster. Right. And it just goes back to when it was when we went to the draft. All right. We should have drafted a receiver. Correct. <laughs> that was the first round pick. I mean, I'm sorry. Like that should have been the pick. It should have been the pick. You know, I understand that. You know, we wanted to get somebody to go opposite of Cam Jordan because Davenport hasn't lived up to the bill. And right. He hasn't. He he's underachieved, especially us trading up for him. Correct. The way we did in that draft, but I thought receiver what should was, was was what should have been taken though number one need into and going into this draft. And I agree. Sean Payton is, is is really beating himself up about it. And I my personal position always was that hey, listen, if you don't think you can get the guy you're looking for, you need to move up. We already knew that guys like Waddle, um, guys like Chase were going to be going very high. We know we're not going to be able to go way down to eight or go down to five. Terrence Marshall should have been the pick. Terrence Marshall should have been the pick if you couldn't move Terrence up. Terrence Marshall should have been the pick. Who looked the good? Who looked good in the first few games? <laughs> looked the good. At 80 yards, <laughs> the good. four catches. He'd been tanning up in the joint practices. Yeah. Man. Looked the good. I mean, you know, I know they had the durability issues coming into the draft, but, man, Terrence Marshall should have been the pick. Looked the good. It should have been the pick. Hey. I, I listen. He, he, damn, he got to get it right, baby. Again, that's and that's just my thing. Like we're looking at this team and like, damn, bro. You got to get it. You got to get some things together. Like I said, receiver just looked like a big old void, like a big old hole. And to me, I always thought that that in the second round, Peter wanted it. They could have end up drafting another defensive in there. You know, I mean, Peyton Turner. They could have drafted Peyton Turner. Later, right. I think he was still going to be available at their second round pick. The, the only, the only reason I think Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis decided to pick him 
in the first round, and they did it. I think they knew they 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 reached with that pick in the first round is because this was a a very weak pass rushing edge rushing draft. They didn't have yeah. a lot of good edge rushers in this draft, so I think they felt like, look, the few that they do have, you know, we need to get one right a, 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 as soon as we can because they ain't gonna have any, and probably in the later second round and the third rounds for sure. Right. So I think that's that was the th- the thought process going into the draft, but. Receiver was the number one priority. Correct, and it's coming back to bite us right now. And you know, hopefully, Kevin White, if, if he makes the final fifty-three, Deontay Harris, Jawan Johnson, the tight end, Kawan Baker, you know, Traquan Smith from Kane State, healthy. healthy. <laughs> you know, if if these right. guys, hopefully these guys just take their game to another level. Jameis Winston is a is a good decision maker if he wins the job. We need to talk about Deontay Harris, who's I, I just said Deontay. Yeah. Taysom Hill, you know, plays in that Swiss Army Swiss Army knife role that he plays, and he gives us some, you know, every Sunday. And maybe you know we can we can get to that twenty one points or more a game. Yeah, or we'll you see, man, or it, po- it, are possibly man, considering a trade. This, this, this is gonna be an interesting year. Considering a trade, if you don't think Adam Troutman is showing what you need to show, I mean, I, I'm open to calling Philadelphia and seeing what they want for Zach Ertz. I mean, just getting a veteran tight end in here and saying, you know, he's an older veteran tight end, but just getting somebody in here. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. just my, my, you know, my consideration. Like, listen, if you don't think Adam Troutman is going to be your pass-catching tight end, listen, I, I like what I saw for out of Juwan Johnson, but, again, I'm not going to put that expectation on him. Right. If, if Zach Ertz is possibly available and you're not seeing what you need to see from Adam Troutman, I'm making that call and say, listen, I'll give you a day three pick, maybe a fourth round pick. You know, maybe he may not make your team. Bring him on in here and let me see what I got. If I don't see a sighting from Adam Trotman in this second preseason game, if I don't see him being involved in the passing game, I'm going to be very concerned going forward for the season. Because you got to be. Because Adam Trotman showed a lot of promise last year and there was a lot of buzz coming into training camp. Yeah. But I haven't been seeing anything. Correct. In so, addition to the fact that they didn't address it. I'm not saying Jared Cook was no stud. You let him walk, but you brought it. You let Josh Hill go, who ended up retiring from the Detroit Lions, but you only brought in the tight end from the Denver Broncos. You brought in um Nate Varnett. Yeah. And, and he's a blocking tight end. He's blocking tight end. <laughs> so you had a lot of expectations from Adam Troutman. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement. If you don't see what you need to see come this second preseason game, you got to be able to start making some calls because going into the season – whether it's Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston at quarter at quarterback, you cannot go out there and say, "Listen, there's no they don't have a security blanket at tight end. They, they just can't. They gotta have one." So to me, I think if, if he doesn't show what he you think you need to see in games, then I think you need to make a call and see what tight ends are available. If Sean Payton gets this team into the playoffs, coach of the year, coach of the year, hands, hands down. down. It's not even uh, close. Look, 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 Miss Gail, Miss Gail. Go ahead and give him the key to the city. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead and give him a lifetime a lifetime contract with the New Orleans Saints. Key to the city? He, if he get this team in the playoffs. You call him Mel Cantrell? Yeah. T.D. T.D. Go ahead and give him the key to the city. Yeah. Just If he get this team into the playoffs, with all the stuff that we got going on, he definitely got to have the key to the city. Look, Treehouse, he got to have MVP, VIP, every Sunday and Saturday. Look. Look. Come on. Culture Park. Culture Park. Give him his own, give him his own, his own section to himself. 
<laughs> he need whatever he want, he gets it in the city of New Orleans. If he gets this team into the playoffs, what if he what if he won't open up masquerades, baby? If he won't open the masquerade, open it up, baby. <laughs> if he won't come out and say he don't want people wearing masks, you need to follow it. <laughs> that's how big of a that's how that's how that's how much of that's how much <laughs> this is gonna be. That's how big of a deal it's gonna be. If he makes the playoffs with this roster, the way it's assembled, it, with these suspensions and stuff that we got going on, yes, these injuries, yes, it's it's, it's going to be something listen, to watch this year, listen, bro. It, I mean, look, listen, I would say this: if Sean Payton makes the playoffs with this team and all this going on, because I'm not going to forget, I'm not going to forget none of this stuff that's going on prior to Week One. I, I'm just that kind of fan. I don't kind of fan y'all all, but I, I'm like that. This team wins ten games, eleven games, get into the postseason. There is nothing. I mean, disrespectfully, nothing that you can't ever tell me about Sean Payton as a head coach. Nah, nah, at all. At all. I don't hear it. Like nah. he ain't the nah. Shut up. I don't hear it. I don't want to hear it. To me, he's one of the best coaches to ever coach football at this level. Bottom line. And surprisingly, just listening to the players in the press conferences and in the interview, they are really confident. Yeah, and, and it doesn't seem like a facade. It seems like they are really confident. Going They're buying in, and they really feel like. They're going to be one of the better teams in the NFC. You know, I like it. And look, I hope I'm wrong about everything I'm saying. I hope that we come out and guns blazing. Right. But it don't look like it. It don't look like it. <laughs> it don't look like it. You're not going to be that disrespectful. Like <laughs> look, look, I'm going to be real about my team. Right. Bro, I'm, a die, I'm a die hard fan, but I'm going to be real about my You're team. You're going to be a realistic. And you're I just don't see us being a playoff team this year. I just don't see it. Well, listen, um, moving off my who that segment, I do want to get into some basketball. We're going to get into the the, the AFC um, South and who the winner will be later on in this show because um, that's not going to be much discussed. But I do want to get into the NBA. There's a lot of discussions going on, and I do want to start this off G Sports with the interview that Kevin Durant did on Draymond Green's podcast. Um, a lot of discussion is going on with this interview. And one of the biggest takes from this interview was Draymond Green asking Kevin Durant about their, you know, a little riff on the sidelines in the third season with Kevin Durant to go to and asking how much of a factor was that into his decision to lead and go to stay. What'd you take about that, you know, KD answer and Draymond Green's answer on that particular show? Or just and just the or just the whole interview on Draymond Green's podcast? It's obvious that during the Olympics they had a conversation. They buddied up. And they talked about doing this podcast, and they was gonna make it attractable and put a little snippet out to the public to make people tune into watching. That's what exactly what they did to the viewers. Because you put the snippet out with Draymond saying, "What led that our argument against the Clippers lead you to leaving the Warriors that year?" Right. And, and then they cut it off. Yeah. So when I saw that. I'm Drew. like, Shh, man, I'm about to go watch this as soon as it dropped. Yeah. As soon as I got the <laughs> notification from Bleach Report, I was tuned in. Locked in. Because I wanted to see that conversation and what was going to be said. And me th knowing Draymond, I'm like, I know Draymond going to keep it a band. You know, so I felt like that, that conversation was going to be real authentic. But when I watched it. It got real political. They danced around the real subject at hand. So they saying. They never, they never discussed. What really led to the argument against the Clippers? They went on talking about <laughs> Bob Myers and the management and how they how they tried to paint the picture in the media. Man, I don't want to hear about all that. I want to know why y'all started arguing. I want to know what was the what attention came from. 
what was said in the argument? I, give me the details, baby. I didn't see any of that. So you when said, I watched the so, interview. So you saying they uh, they pulled the Uncle Shay Shay move? They, they bull jive. Oh man, they bull jiving out there. They pulled the wool over our head. <laughs> I was very disappointed after I watched that. All that dancing around, talking. Man, listen. Get to the nitty gritty. Get to the meat and potatoes. Right. What led to the argument? What was said? Okay. I want to know all that. So they didn't do that. They didn't do that. And so I, I was very disappointed with the, with the, with the interview, man. I, I think that <laughs> Kevin Durant and Draymond, uh, you know, they was able to mend the fences and and, right. and get back, you know, cool, cool. And, and, and and keep things cordial. And obviously, you know, you could, they must be cool for them to come in and do that podcast. With Correct. Him. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that they both were on the Olympic team. They had time to spin around yeah. each other, yeah. and they couldn't separate from each other. Yeah. You had practice together. Yeah. You're, you're being social in Tokyo together. So I think they had some chance to mend some things, to have the conversation, because yeah. obviously those two guys were the, the veteran players on that Olympic team. And so I think they got a chance to communicate and, you know, talk about that and plan something up. I... It's, to me, it's just bull job. It's just bull job. They never got into the real reason why Kevin Durant really decided to leave Golden State. And my answer is still the same. He never got the credit that he thought he deserved for being the best player on that team. He had came to that team. It was always Steph Curry's team. And the team had already had a track record of being champions and being a high-powered team. When he got there and they finally won the NBA Finals against Cleveland and he became the MVP of that finals, and then he became the MVP of the second finals. I think going into that third season, Kevin Durant wanted the recognition of not only being the best player in the world, but he's the best player on this team, and he's the number one option on this team, bar none. That didn't happen. Kind of like, I'm using this as an example, but when LeBron James joined Miami in South Beach with Bosh, the, the first time they made the finals, they lost, obviously. We, we all know that. But D-Wade and LeBron went out on Yachts and had a conversation. Everybody knew this was Dwayne Wade's team. But Dwayne Wade had to come to LeBron and let him know, while you're here, you're the best in the world. This needs to be your team. I'll be the Robin. That never happened in Golden State. Now, I'm not saying Kevin Durant wanted it to happen, but I think he wanted the recognition of being the best in the world, and this is my team going forward. And we're going to kind of proceed in this matter. And I think that rift between him and Draymond Green on that sidelines were letting him know, this ain't your team. You may be a great player. You're a great talent. And what you do is phenomenal, but this ain't your team. And it that never got resolved. That, to me, set with him to a place where, from a criticism position, he don't really like criticism. He don't really respect criticism, especially when you criticize him. And that's what he took from it. So, to me, they danced around the answer. They gave you some, maybe some probably some facts behind the scene with Bob Myers and Steve Kerr trying to ask him. That may be true. But it didn't really get to the nits and grits of why he left, what led up to this argument. And I think what led up to this argument was the fact that this ain't your team. And to me, that's ultimately why I think he decided to leave this team when they lost the NBA Finals. And he obviously had, an, he had his own natural escape goal because he had tours Achilles. And he probably wasn't really around a team like that much anymore, anymore. But he left that team to go join Brooklyn with Kyrie Irving when he already knew whatever we're going to achieve – I'm the best player in this team. It's my team. And this is whatever we achieve, we're going to be moving forward. I think part of what you're saying is correct. But I think also Draymond Eagle was kind of coming into play. Correct. Because KD, Being the defensive player of the year. Because KD, because KD was getting a, a lot of recognition. 
You know, Steph and, and, and Clay was getting the recognition. Right. And then now Draymond started kind of being an afterthought. And I thought that I think that bothered Draymond. Right. And I think that, you know, you had certain games. I remember a game vividly. I, don't, I think it was a game. It might have been the Clippers. Uh, or maybe it was the 76ers. Draymond catches the rebound, goes down court. KD is wide open for a three-pointer. Mm-hmm. Draymond tries to go and split three people and ends up turning the ball over. And that was a clear indication to me that Draymond, you want some, you want some clout too. Correct. You want some shine because you see these three getting all of it and nobody kind of talking about you no more. Before KD got there, it was talking about Draymond, Clay, Clay Steph. Steph. When when KD got there, people wasn't really talking about Draymond no more. I think that's what played really a big play. factor into that argument. And I think KD probably was telling him that, look, man, stay in your lane, dog. Right. <laughs> stay in your lane. The game on the line, man, I'm Kevin Durant. You know who no, I, I am. am. <laughs> Throw me the ball, dog. <laughs> Don't be trying to go down here and split two people and now you didn't cost us the game. Give me the ball. I'm the best player in the world. Don't play. And I think Draymond took offense to that. And Draymond like, boy, we've been winning. We've been doing it like this before you got here. Yeah. Man, you could, you could, you could, you can roll out. Look, you could take the first thing smoking back to OKC. <laughs> we gonna do this how I've been doing it. Yeah. Steph and Clay know how I roll. Steve Kerr know how I roll. Yeah. So who are you to come in here and now you feel like you got something to say? Nah, partner. I'm going to keep doing it my way. Right. And I think Clay and Steph backed Draymond. Draymond on it. And I think that made KD feel some type of way. That's what I think happened with that Golden State issue. Now, I'm going to read a couple of comments. Chase um, Ryan said this. KD weak. He ain't never earned no ring. And he also says, how about Draymond getting mad and he the one called KD? Listen, <sighs> listen. When you're dealing with, with, with people of that, of that stature, with them kind of egos, yeah. something's bound to happen. Correct. You're going to have some type of friction. You're going to have some type of controversy. Right. They had it in Miami. They had right. it in Boston. Correct. They had, they had it in Brooklyn this year. Shit, they had it in they LA. Had it, they had it with the Clippers. Right. You damn sure about to have it this year with the Lakers. Yeah. <laughs> That's just what comes with it. it. But it's not what you what, what you go through. It's how you handle it. When you're going through it. Right. And I just think that KD, KD has a soft heart. Correct. KD is, is, is not an alpha male. As, as as much as they try to make him out to be an alpha male, he's not, he's not an alpha he's male. Not. He's as not. A, as a facade, he pretended. Confrontation so is something when, that he's going so to kind of reject so, from. So when confrontation comes and somebody challenges him, that's really an alpha male. He shies away he from it. He's going to shy away from it. Why do you think he left OKC? Because when when you try to talk to Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook gonna stick his chest out. Yeah, and he gonna tell you how you feel. KD is more of a kind of fall into the bag. Correct. Gonna say how I feel a little bit, but kind of gonna dance around how you feel, just like he did on this on his interview with Draymond. Correct. Man, say how you feel, man. Say how you feel. You get on burner accounts. <laughs> and say how you feel. Right. And say how you feel when the camera on and everybody in the world watching. So that's what I didn't like about. That whole interview, man. They need to go star in dancing for the stars <laughs> because that's how much they danced around the real problem at hand in an interview. The real problem at hand at the interview was at the end of the day that Kevin Durant was growing a a persona of him wanting to the 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 tides had turned. LeBron James is no longer the best player in the world. I'm the best player in the world, and I'm on this team, and I need to be recognized as on this team as the best player in the world. And what didn't happen was, from an organizational position, 
They never shift the gears and gave Kevin Durant the keys over Steph Curry. They kept those yeah, keys. It wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to happen. Rightfully so. Why? And rightfully so. Yeah, Bob Myers and them would be stupid, even though we know Kevin Durant is better than Steph Curry. We know that. Kevin right. Durant's the best player in the world, in my opinion. All right? Depending on who you're talking to. But in my Correct. opinion, he's the best player in the world. But in that situation in Golden State, what Steph did for that franchise. Correct. Making that franchise one of the most relevant franchises in the NBA over the last five to six years, you cannot bring in a newcomer like Kevin Durant, regardless of how good he is, and say, this your team. This your team. You can't do that to Steph, especially with the fan base and how loyal he is to Steph and, and, and everything that he's done. And so when that didn't occur and that shift never happened, and it wasn't sharing it. Right. They wasn't sharing this, oh, this is Kevin Durant's team too. No, he's a part of this team. But they never shifted. They never gave him that. And because he's a two-time Finals MVP, and he's a former MVP to leave, and you're looking at what he does, and no one can do what he does. He's like, I'm kind of done with this. I'm kind of over this. I, I have my two NBA championships. I have my accolades that I came here to achieve. I locked in. I helped earn those championships. I've displayed that I'm the best player in this organization. But the shift hadn't happened. The organization is not trying to build around what Kevin Durant personality and persona and all this other stuff is. It is still Steph Curry's arena. And so when that didn't happen, I think the decision was already made by him and his team. Could you? And here's the worst part. This is the part that never asked, and this is the part I think they really danced around. That whole offseason, that whole season, they kept asking Kevin Durant about, you know, are you resigning him a go to state? Are you resigning him a go to state? And the first part I didn't like about Kevin Durant is that he never gave the media an answer. Which means his teammates had to kept be asking questions all season long about is Kevin Durant going to stay? Is Kevin Durant leaving? And he danced around that part too. And that's just really what he is. Because the reality was, if you really want to go back to it, he gave an answer to Russell Westbrook and his teammates before he left OKC that he said that he was staying there. And, two, and 48 hours later, he's on a jet in, in, in Oakland saying, I'm, I'm joining the Golden State Warriors. That's who that guy and that's is. Why, and that's why Westbrook felt played. Felt played. That's why Westbrook he felt played. Said he, Westbrook said he found out on a plane. On a plane. On a plane. And that's why he felt played. And so I can't. Listen. That, that's the interview they need to have. Correct. They need to have a sit down with Westbrook, Westbrook and, and Kevin Kenny. Durant. Because <laughs> I really feel like Westbrook going to keep it all the way up bang. Yeah, he's not going to care. He ain't gonna kill. He'll kill. Don't say what it is. He, yeah, he he because he he don't say what it is. That's what I that's what I need to say. He's not gonna politic. And, and I thought Draymond was gonna give me that. He ain't give it to you. I thought Draymond was gonna keep it a bang. I don't know if they like they really said how they felt and then they edited it and said, look, we don't want to put that. Oh, I, I I don't know, but I, I didn't get what I thought I was gonna get. You, you got bull jive, man. That's all, man. We how how Uncle Shay Shay said, man. Yeah, catfish. Got bull jive. Got bull jived. It's okay. We got interview fished. Yeah. I was disappointed. Look, but I will, but I will say this. Lure me in too. But I will say got this. Got me good. I will say this. I did enjoy other parts of the interview. I did. Um, I you did. know, like when they talked about that he asked them why why he don't have any kids. I did like that. You know, part. I, I, I always yeah. wanted to know why Kevin Durant, you know, he's 33, 34 years old. Yeah. Don't have any kids, not married, not seriously. I ain't no dream I had three. Right. <laughs> you know. So I, 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 that was interesting to hear his perspective on why he didn't have any kids. Yeah. Uh, um, they talked about uh, the situation in Brooklyn. Right. You know, with Kyrie missing games and, 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 and James Harden. James. And Draymond came out and said that James Harden and Kyrie both, I forgot how he worded it. I don't want to lie on him. But he basically said, like, they got issues. They got issues. You know, so it was interesting to hear him say that 
about two superstars in the league. He, publicly, he, like basically, that. he was just like everybody kind of you, you're playing with guys who push you too far. And KD responds like the only person, all of everybody pushes it too far. Cause we all get heated, but the person who I play with the most, who pushed it forward, was Draymond Green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I liked yeah. that about that. Cause they were, it was a good interview. But when they got to that part, that part that advertised me, made me want to just lock yeah, in and watch. Yeah, I was like, I got, I got Uncle Shea Shade. They, they gave him bull jive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what was edited now, but I, I, on that particular part of the interview, it was bull jive. Yeah. And again, like, what, if you go watch the interview, if you never watched it, but at the end of the day, I think what Draymond Green said was true about what Bob Myers and what Steve Kerr asked yeah, him to do and yeah. apologize the next day. And, you know, I do think all that's true, but it ain't the nits and grits of why they had the confrontation from the get-go. They didn't discuss that kind of part. They didn't get into why he felt this animosity and, and so on, have you. So, again, overall, a good interview, but that particular segment, the thing that brought me to name, you know, I got, how you alluded to? You got catfish? Got catfish. Definitely. Definitely. Now, I do want to stay in the NBA right quick, G-Sports. Um, I do want to talk about some of these NBA contracts. Um, somehow, some of these guys are just, you know, the max contracts in the, in the NBA. And I do think some of these match contracts are overvalued. Mm-hmm. Um, we watched some guys, you know, this this particular offseason. I think before the show even started, we even have seen it. I've seen an extension from uh, Terry Rozier <laughs> earlier today. Um, some of these contracts and some of the extensions, you start asking yourself, man, listen, I ain't never really realized that some NBA players are going to be $50 million a season a year players. Steph Curry signed an extension this offseason. He's going to be a 50 plus million dollar player. Um, Kevin Durant signed a four-year deal, $194 million, I believe. You know, Kevin Durant is going to be somewhere up there. Um, Joel Embiid is going to arguably be second highest played player, you know, in this league. When you start looking at some of these things, you're like, my goodness. Um, Joel Embiid is going to be a $48 million average a year player. Jimmy Butler is going to average $48 million a season in his new extension. Um we talking about God. I was KD. We know KD. We know Giannis. Paul George is going to be averaging $44 million a season, along with Kawhi Leonard. Damian Litter is averaging $44 million a season. At some point in time, at the end of Damian Litter's extension, he's going to be a $50 million player a season. Um, my take is some of these contracts are going to eventually become overvalued. And what I mean by that, it's not because of what these guys are getting paid. I'm not talking about their money. I'm just talking about what they value they brought to the game or what their team achievements as the best player. I Do I think Jimmy Butler is a heck of a basketball player? Yes. But do I think he's a $48 million a year basketball player for what Jimmy Butler does? No. Do I think Joel but you, Embiid... But you, but you got to look at it from a business standpoint. Okay, you think if Pat Riley could get Giannis or Joel Embiid or Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving or James Harden to Miami... He wouldn't. He wouldn't much rather give them that forty-eight million. The fact of the matter is, they can't get those people. So, you gotta spend that money. You gotta spend that money. So, yeah. why not yeah. give it to Jimmy Butler? Yes. Do I think Jimmy Butler's worth forty-eight million dollars? Hell no. <laughs> but you, the salary cap is it continues to go up. Continue to go up. These TV contracts are, are continue uh, to go up. Go so up. these NBA franchises are getting more money. So. You got to spend that money every year. You can't just leave that money on the books. Right. And that's why you're seeing these contracts out the, out, out the, out the Otherwise, like that. You know what I'm saying? So that's why people like Jimmy Butler got 
$48 million a year. That's why you see Terry Rozier got a $97 million contract. It's because of that. It's not so much that they think Terry Rozier is really worth right. that much money. Right. It's it's I'm I'm just paying attention to some of the numbers. And again, I'm not taking nothing away from these guys. I'm like, listen, man, get your bread. I'm not taking nothing from the it's not I'm not I'm not that fan. But I'm watching some of this stuff. And I'm like, man, I remember the day when Michael Jordan was the highest paid person in the league getting thirty three million dollars. I remember when Corey Bryant retired, Corey Bryant was getting somewhere around thirty six million. Everybody like, okay. We feel you. We understand. We understand the brand recognition of that person, the team achievements, his achievements. We're like, okay, that's nothing to argue about. Then we're starting to watch some guys now reach this certain status in terms of contracts, and we're like, well, where are the achievements at? And the achievements are just not following up. You know, we understand Kevin Durant is the best player in the world. We're like, okay, he's getting 48 minutes. Hey, but that's, listen, bro, we understand. He's the best player in the world. And Stephen Curry's getting 50-something plus million dollars. We're like, you know what? Steph Curry's a two-time MVP of this league, man. That's just right. one-time genetic. Let's not, let's not be crazy, you know? We understand if LeBron James wanted 45 $50 million a year, we're like, okay, that's LeBron James. Um, Jimmy Butler, like, hold on now. This, this, so, this. So, so what would you rather that he do? You rather him not, like, go, go give it to some, like, what, what you want him to do? They got to spend the money. Whew. You got to spend the money. Whew. Can't you leave the money on the books? Whew. Tough. I get it. You got to pay the guy. You got to pay him. It's just. I guarantee you if, if. Any of them superstars I just named early in this segment said, look, Pat Riley, I won't come to Miami. Boy, they will ship Jimmy Butler in a heartbeat <laughs> and give them the $48 million. But the fact of the matter, that's not happening. That's not happening. That's not taking that's place. That's not happening. And Kawhi Leonard said, I want to become a, a Miami Heat. Bye-bye, Jimmy. Yeah. Just go ahead and give him the bread. Yeah. You know, I'm just looking at some of the contract. I'm just like, whoa. I'm like, listen. What? 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 Listen, I need to put my son on the circuit now. Huh. Now, son, you, you're playing basketball, son. I don't care what you're thinking about doing in life. You yeah, want to be an artist. You want to be money is different. You know, you want you know you want to be an artist. You know, you want to be an engineer. You want to be a biologist, son. Wrong profession. You can do those things once you play ten years here. That will always be available. I'm just looking at some of the contracts. I'm just like, God, leave. At some point in time, I'm not, again. I'm asking myself, as fans, are we going to start expecting guys who make forty eight million dollars a year? We're going to start expecting some achievements from the players. And that's all I'm really saying. I'm like, listen, you're going to give Joel and B $48 plus million. Dollars. We got to start expecting all the 76ers find those contenders. Joel and B got to make it to the back to the got to make it to the NBA. Jimmy Butler got to make it back to the NBA finals. Kawhi Leonard has made it to the finals. So, yeah, we understand why he's compensated on this. Um, John Wall, obviously, you know, he's a $41 million player. You know, at some point in time, we're going to say whether he's been injured or not. Hey, listen, you got to start having some achievements here to validate some of this money. That's all I'm simply saying. Because I'm sitting here looking at these contracts like, man, y'all, shh. My son thinking about the wrong profession. He trying to tell me, dad, I want to pay for the Panthers. But there's no Panthers you about to play for. You about to play for the, the, the Houston. You about to play for the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> you watching the wrong sports. Maybe I got the wrong thing on my television, G Sports. But speaking about television and speaking about you know, press and media. How about this NBA Summer League for the month of July? Since you know, there's been a what they in sport they call a dead season. G Sports. What do you take about? What's some of your takeaways by NBA Summer League? Man, I, who I, think become become the next big thing? Who's gonna become the next superstar that you are watching from Summer League? 
I really enjoyed this NBA Summer League, man. I saw a lot of players that showed that they could probably be a superstar Ooh. or some really good players in this league. Ooh, Let's start off with my Houston Rockets, though, baby. That's the only one I saw. Jalen Green definitely came out and showed that he will be that guy and will be one of the superstars next up in his era. Superstar ability. Um, you know, he he, the, he averaged over 20 points a game, shot Superstar 50% ability. from the field, and Superstar just ability. under 50% from three-point range. Superstar ability. Showed that he could pass the ball. We knew how athletic he was, but the fact that he displayed how good he could shoot the ball from the perimeter, that further lets me know that this Superstar guy's going to be ability. big time in the NBA. Superstar ability. And then the Josh Christopher uh, pick from Arizona State. We know he was a top-ranked kid coming out of high school. Um... You know, he kind of fell in the draft to the 20s in the first round. Mm -hmm. But he showed that he could be a really, really good player in this league. The kid, uh, Garuba, all right, um, from overseas, he showed that he could be a really good kid in the post. I think those three picks alone for the Rockets is going gonna, is gonna to show, is going to be pay big dividends for us going forward. We're going to be young. You know, I, I, can yeah. see, I can see us compete for that seven or eight spot this year. But, shit, like, the year after that and the year after that, I think the Rockets going to be one of the better teams in the Western Conference because of those three draft picks. And if you add, you know. Christian uh, Wood. Uh, you got Christian Wood. If you add a, a big-time free agent here and there to that roster going forward, the Rockets going to be right there in the mix because, let's be honest, LeBron James' clock is ticking. All Correct. Right? Father time ain't – don't wait on nobody. Correct. Chris Paul, father time, time is ticking. Waiting, yeah. So the Suns and the Lakers ain't going to be one of, two of the elite teams in the West in the next two years. So the Rockets can come right in. Right and, and and be one of them better teams in the Western Conference. Uh, I was very impressed with uh, the Atlanta Hawks picks. Jalen Johnson, Jalen your Johnson. school, Duke. Uh, he really impressed me throughout summer league. Yeah. Sharif Cooper, man, getting a kid like that in the second round, that was big time. He made some big time hey, plays. Please. He made some game winning shots. Um, he's going to be a hell of a backup point guard to Trey Young for the Hawks. And Jalen Johnson is going to help that team. Um, and, and put the Hawks in a better position to be one of the better teams in the East next year. Uh, Devion Mitchell. <laughs> I mean, I, I I think Devion Mitchell probably was the laughing stock of the lottery when he got picked. Yeah. But he came in the summer league and was a point to prove. Yeah. Uh, man, he he probably had the best on-ball defense I've seen in a long time in the NBA. Nah, will he be able to do that when it comes to sticking people like James Harden and Kyrie Irving and Russell Westbrook? I think he's gonna be able to hold his own, but I don't think he'll be to that degree. But that's in time. Yeah, he he, he might he, he'll make some plays in spurts, right? Um, because he, I he, think he could end up being like a Marcus Smart in his league. Definitely, good. That's a great comparison. Marcus Smart, great comparison. And what he showed in his in his summer league that he can shoot the ball and get to the cup at will because right. nobody can stay in front of him. I thought Davion Mitchell probably was arguably, in my opinion, a top three, top two player in his summer league. Um, Kay Cunningham, who was the first pick in the draft. Yeah, I think Jalen Green outplayed him. Yeah, I think yeah, Jalen Green's going to end up being a better pro. But Kay Cunningham uh, is, is 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 no joke. I think this kid, 6'8 point guard with that athleticism, can put the ball in the cup from the perimeter, um, be able to get his teammate involved in that, with that big 6'8 frame. What I liked about him, and I cut you off, but he showed leadership abilities. That's what I, that's that's the only thing I was saying to take away from Kay Cunningham. I looked at him and said, listen, that guy looks like he's a leader. Yeah. That guy looks yeah. like... The athleticism, you didn't really see it so much there, but the leadership, getting people in the right spots and moving the basketball, I'm like, hey, Detroit got some. Now, nah, I think come, you know, come time to the NBA season, I think there's going to be, you know, some setbacks and some shortcomings. But what I loved about watching Kay Cunningham in Summer League was 
I saw leadership qualities, and he wouldn't ask to be this. He took it on face four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, K, I think K, you know, uh, I think he's good enough to be able to have that team competing for an eighth spot in the East. You know, that's that, that just my opinion. Um, you know, so that that was my takeaways from the summer league. Uh, I thought that, you know, a lot of them kids put their name on the map. I like what I seen from the Louisiana native, Dejan Giroux, yeah. with the Miami Heat. Heat. I think he's going to end up being on that roster come regular season time, um, come training camp time. He had like four double doubles, maybe five double doubles, give or take, uh, throughout this uh, summer league. He showed great leadership qualities. He showed he, he, the ability to be able to run a team, be a good defender, showed his athleticism, and he hit some perimeter shots more more often than we thought he was going to do. So I think Dejan Giroux, who out of the University of Houston. Right there from New Orleans, man, at McDonald's right. 35. I think he showed um, the Miami Heat organization that he is an NBA point guard. I would I take away from summer league. To me, this is one of the most exciting summer leagues that I've watched since Andrew Wiggins and Jabal Park came out. They made a big deal by summer league that summer, and um, this summer league lived up to the expectation. There's a lot of competition, a lot of going back and forth, a lot of going back and forth, a lot of going back and forth, and that's what I took away from it. It was so enthused to watch. Even when I got a chance to watch Jalen Suggs, I'm like, listen, this kid's going to be good. You know, you go watch it. It was just a competition that was taking place in Summer League. Now, granted, some of these guys, it's going to take a while for them to really come around at the NBA level. And I think Orlando got their work cut out with Jalen Suggs because they can't mess this up like they messed up with the older depot pick. They got to figure out if he's a two or he's a one. I just don't understand, you know, why the Raptors passed on Jalen Suggs and why the Magic picked Jalen Suggs. I mean, he dropped the Cole Anthony in a lot of last, last year. And by the way, he pissed down and he league, the whole summer league. I mean, he averaged like seven points a game, shot like 29% from three-point range. I don't know what's going on with Cole Anthony, <laughs> but that's that that pick with Jalen Suggs didn't make any sense unless they knew something we didn't know about Cole Anthony. Like I said, they can't mess this pick up like to me, they messed up the Old Depot pick. I think they spent too much time trying to figure out if Old Depot was going to be a one or a two his few seasons down there in Orlando. When we finally got traded to OKC, we found out that he was a two. And we found out in Indiana he was a two. And everywhere else he's been, he's been a two. But Orlando was still trying to figure out what they got. So I think Orlando got to figure out early on what Suggs is going to be in terms of position. Because we watched Old Depot become an all-star in Indiana. We sitting and saying to himself, why Bobby couldn't see this in Orlando? That's because of the organization. Orlando got to figure this part out. So, and, and look, we can't forget about Trey Murphy, who the Pelicans picked. Yes, you know, I think he out of University of Virginia. Virginia. Uh, he had a hell of a summer league too. Um, and he's know, he, gonna make a case come camp time. He is gonna help the Pelicans tremendously because he can stretch the floor. He shot forty five percent from three. He averaged seventeen points a game throughout summer league. Yeah, he's gonna fit right in with what the Pelicans do. All right, you got Valanciunas who can stretch the floor. Correct. You got Zion at the four. You got Brandon Ingram. So putting somebody like Trey Murphy along with them guys, I think that's gonna help. He's that gonna team fit right tremendously. in. He's gonna be able to stretch the floor and and, and be, be, be able to put the ball in the cup. Because he can shoot it with some of the best of them. Like I said, some of the things I take away from the, I, what I did, what I appreciated about this year's summer league was you saw guys competing. The guys who the the, the rookies and you saw them competing. I mean, I, I I was watching some of the Knicks game. I was watching Ob Toppin competing. I'm like, man, everybody out there competing. Like they they really competing, competing out here. They they not they not leaving this. Oh, I got picked in the you know, nah, <laughs> nah. I'm here to make a case. 
I'm here to I'm here to make a case for me and my and my team. Man, Cam Thomas too. Yeah, Cam Thomas. Listen, Cam Thomas gonna play a big time role for the Nets. Yeah? He gonna come off the bench and average about thirteen to fourteen points a game for the Nets. He gonna yeah. he gonna probably uh take that Dimwitty role. Right. And and you saw how much they miss somebody come off the bench to score the ball in the playoffs against the Bucks. Um, I forget the kid name. Uh, who took them with his spot? Number one with the headband, who just looked like he couldn't make a bucket at all against the Bucks. But Cam Thomas gonna really help the Nets, man. I mean, this 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 dude just was lights out the lights whole summer out. league. Shot over forty percent from three. Hit a game. Hit a game winner. Uh, hit a dagger to close out a game. I mean, Cam Thomas was very impressive throughout summer league. Again, it was intriguing to watch. I think it was one of the better ones I've watched again since, to me, since Andrew Wiggins and Jabbar Parker went first and second. Um, prior to that, I'm not saying that, you know, Summer League was not a good thing. I'm just saying that it wasn't intriguing. Right. This was the first intriguing one that I've seen since that draft class. And I'm looking for I'm looking forward to now watching some of those guys and seeing what they can do come to NBA regular season. When you finally put them in their teams and seeing what their roles are going to be. We know Katie Cunningham are going to have a role. We know Jalen Green is going to have a role. We know eventually uh, Evan Mobley is going to have a role over there in Cleveland. So some of those guys you're going to have names, but it's following some of the other guys that you got a chance to put your eyes on and seeing what their role is going to be when they finally get on those NBA rosters. Yeah. Now, we're going we're gonna to get back to the last part of this show that we wanted to get into back into the NFL before we end up this show. We saved the best division for last, which will be next week, which is the NFC South. But I think we're going to get to the worst division of football this year which is the AFC South, that I think is going to be worse than the AFC East. I'm thinking it's be worse than the NFC East. That's how I think how bad this division is going to be. The, the AFC South G-Sports. Who wins this division? Tennessee Titans. <laughs> I mean, everybody else playing for second place. <laughs> Mike Vrabel, you know, uh, a really, really good coach, one of the better coaches in the league. Has had this team in the playoffs since he's been the head coach. Right. Um, then you ask my like Julio Jones. I do have my <laughs> concerns about you know them changing offers of coordinators and, and Arthur Smith going to Atlanta. Right. But uh, they should win this division hands down. Do I think they're gonna be a Super Bowl contender? I don't see it just because of the uncertainty with the offers of coordinator and Ryan Tower Good, Ryan Tannehill had played under Arthur Smith. So that's gonna be you know something that's up in the air. But they can they can play just above average and win this division because the Colts. Carson Wentz, we don't know how long he's out for. Right. Uh, the, the, the Houston Texans, I mean, maybe you need to just relocate and sell your franchise. Okay. <laughs> uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, we we know Urban Meyer, rookie head coach, along with a rookie quarterback. I don't expect too much from you guys. I think y'all might have a couple games where y'all might upset some people, but I don't expect you guys to win no more than five games this year. So the Titans should win this division hands down. I don't expect them to lose a game in this division. I do expect them to sweep the division. I think Houston's in shambles. They competing for the first overall pick before the season start. I'm just putting it out there. The Colts, no Carson Wentz. We don't know if you're going out there with Jacob Eason. We don't know if you're going out there with Brett Huntley. They're trying to bring Phillip Rivers out of retirement. Uh, they, you're calling Phillip Rivers up and seeing if, you know, do, do, are you tired of watching the 9 and 10 kids yet? You know, are you ready to come play football yet? I, I the retirement thing may not be for you. You know what I mean? You're, you're at home with the kids. You're getting them all ready for school. Just just come on back to work. We don't know what they want to do over there. Then we got the rookie quarterback and the rookie head coach. 
you know, got got a lot of press news already for cutting your, your, your college, you know, quarterback at tight end. You know, we don't know what's going on in Jacksonville. We already know that it's Urban Meyer and, and, and Trey and Trevor Lawrence, and we know nothing else there. That's going to be a project maybe two or three seasons down the road once you start getting some things together. The Titans are going to just win this division. Yeah. They don't have a soul in that division that can stop Derrick Henry from running the ball. They don't have a corner in this division that can stop Julio, A.J. Brown. Ryan Tannehill, to me, he's going to be solid enough, even though Arthur Smith is not a head coach in Atlanta. But to answer your question, I think come playoff time is where that concern really is going to come into play. Mm-hmm. You know, when you start getting there to possibly to the Buffaloes, if they make it, which I think the Buffalo Bills will make it, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, to me, the uh, the Cleveland Browns will be there. That's when I'm going to start questioning you know, the offensive coordinator and what the scheme is and what can what can Tannehill do. But the the Titans are gonna win this division. It's the easiest one. This division is gonna be bad. I think those three teams that's in this division are gonna be competing for I think all three of those teams when it's all said and done gonna be picking in the top ten. And that includes the Colts because of Carson Wentz injury. Also you had to injure the same injury to Quentin Nelson, who affects the offensive line. And to me, I think if your offensive line is not in play and you're going out here with some first-time quarterback, I, I just can't see how you expect them to win a bunch of games. Right. So the Titans win this division hands down. And that's pretty simple. I think, like I said, the, the Texans are going to be probably picking first overall. We don't know if they're going to be looking at the kid out of Oklahoma. We don't know if they'll be looking at the kid you know, out of North Carolina. I just don't think Deshaun Watson is going to be their quarterback after this season. I think somehow, some way he gets some games in there. But overall, they find a way to move Watson. New head coach, you kind of start over, and you, you kind of just get get all of that out of your way. It's unfortunate. It you took all this time to finally get your right to get the right guy, and it's hard to get the right guy. But when you did somehow, some way with a lot of allegations going on, things misuse with the organization, you got to find a way to move them. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Agreed. Listen, guys, that's our show. Fan view live, real fans talk sports. Y'all definitely want to tune in next week. We'll be getting to who will win the NFC South because that's the last division. It's going to be pretty intriguing who will win the, this division. We saved the best for last, baby. We saved the best division for last. I've been interested in seeing you know, what your position and what Coach Hurricane here position is about the NFC South. Whew. It's going to be very intriguing. And plus, we're going, you know, we're going, we're going to already have the second preseason hour to play. You know, we're going to be recapping the second preseason game against the Jaguars. Hopefully, Jameis Winston will be then separated himself. Hopefully so. We'll see. He'll be throwing the ball to Callaway, and we don't know if Traquan Smith's going to be healthy. You know, it'll be interesting to you. Do you think Alvin Kamara going to get some reps? Or you just say, you don't need to play this either. Which I, don't, I wouldn't play Alvin Kamara. Right. That's just me. If I'm Sean, listen, man, I got 15 million out of back. I know what he could do. We ain't playing them kind of games. We know he need we need him ready for week one. But that's our show, guys. Listen, subscribe to FanView Live if you're on Facebook. Subscribe to FanView Live if you're on YouTube. Subscribe to FanView Live if you're on IG. And it's FanView Nola if you're on Twitter. I'm that boy, Fred. G Sports, man. We signing out. Signing out, y'all. Catch y'all next Thursday. <laughs>